Hey, dealmakers, welcome to the show where it's all about financial freedom with real estate. Have a super exciting show with you today. We're going to talk about how to develop new skills, such as, for example, getting into apartment buildings, or in this case, how to get into land development, which is kind of cool. Other things like how to stay consistent. Consistency is key. A lot of people, I talk a lot about Robert Kiyosaki talks about consistent. That's the one thing we talk about in the show with our guest. So stay tuned for that. Just a reminder that we have Dealmaker Bootcamp coming up end of January in sunny Orlando, Florida. Uh, dealmakerbootcampevent.com is where you can get tickets. This is where we simulate their first deal. So if you've never done a first deal before, you want to know what that's like working hands-on in small groups. This is the event for that. We've done it a bunch of times and we're the only ones that do it. It's really hard to do and we do it really well. So it's going to be very impactful. So hopefully you can join us in sunny Orlando end of January. That's in dealmakerbootcampevent.com. I want to give a shout out to our Apple podcast reviewer, Emmanuel in Romania says, incredible value. This is one of the best podcasts in the real estate niche. Love the content. Thank you for that, Emmanuel. Appreciate that. Oh, there was a question from LinkedIn also. And uh, this says, hey, Michael, my partners are focusing on multifamily right now and used your course to help us learn the game when we first started back in May. I'm reaching out as we have hit some roadblocks along the way and could use your advice on what to do. What's the most efficient way to get the best direct advice about the various things we're not sure on how to answer? So that is a great, great question. And uh, the answer is you've got to surround yourself with a group, a community of people. And if you're listening to this right now, a great place to go is our private uh, Facebook group. It's themichaelblank.com forward slash FB for Facebook. And it's free. And there's thousands and thousands of people. And it's a great way for you to connect and ask questions and network. So check that out. And hopefully that helps uh, you as well, Mina. Uh, if you have a question, ask us on social. We might answer it here on the show as well. So with that, let's bring on our co-host, Garrett Lynch. What's going on? What's going on, Michael? So we talk about in the show, we, we talk about new skills. Like for us, even land development is a new skill. And for a lot of people listening to this, you know, just getting into syncations is a new skill. And I have developed new skills throughout my life. And so have you. And I want to talk about really quickly, how do you develop new skills, Garrett? Yeah. So there's a few ways, but in the beginning, you're just kind of, it's a lot of times you're just diving into whatever kind of literature you get an idea, you hear about something, you start to follow people that are maybe experts in the field and you get your feet wet with it. And I think the goal of learning any skill is how do you cut down the learning curve? Because there is always that, that aspect to it. If you're brand new in anything, you're not going to know enough about it. So a, a really good way that I cut down the learning curve is I try to get around people that are, have already done it at a really high level. And you can do that by, you know, going to places where they exist, buying tickets to their things. Don't be afraid to spend money to go to events where they, they're around there, start to build relationships, try to find some kind of mentor can help you cut down that learning curve. That said, nothing really beats spending time and, and failing in that skill and in the pursuit of that skill. And I think failing for me is, is probably the number one way that I have developed that skill in the best way possible, not being afraid to fail over and over again in pursuit of whatever it is. And so, and I'm sure you could agree with that as well, Michael. Yeah, absolutely. I think the biggest thing is overcoming the fear of learning something new and failing. And I think there's an aversion in our culture of, of failure because, you know, the schools don't teach failure. They, in fact, if you fail, you get a bad grade. So if you get a wrong answer, you're going to fail. Well, in real life and business, you get, the, you get the wrong answer all the time. And it's okay because you're getting closer to the right answer every time you do that. So not being afraid to fail 
viewing it as a learning experience and also not only is it a learning experience of what not to do, but also it kind of hones your character, right? So failure uh, uh, faces you with a variety of challenges. And I wouldn't be able to deal with some of the challenges we have today, 15, 20 years ago. I just wasn't, my character just wasn't able to deal with that. So failure really kind of sharpens your skills. But I agree with everything you said. I mean, educate yourself. That is a common theme that comes up over and over again. But you got to stop at one point and just do it as well. So I really like what our guest here has to say about that. His name is Jerome Maldonada. And he began his career in direct sales, which kind of taught him a certain kind of hustle and sticking with it. And by the time he reached his mid-20s, he had moved from making basically zero dollars. He grew up essentially poor to manage his own six-figure business. And then he discovered commercial real estate, construction specifically, and then he started pivoting into land development. So we're going to talk a lot in this show here about getting into new skills because he's done it so many, so many times. And there's this mix of learning and also doing at the same time. And while you're doing all these things, overcoming a variety of challenges and developing a key trait of sticking with it. So let's get right in the show here with Jerome Maldonado. You're listening to the Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing podcast, hosted by Garrett Lynch and Michael Blanc, where we talk all about how you can achieve financial independence through apartment building investing. Whether you're just starting out or you want to scale your syndication business, this is the show for you. This is the show for you. Jerome, welcome to the show today. Thank you, Michael. How are you guys today? Excellent. So it looks like you you got an early start into sales and then you ended up getting into construction somehow. Like, what did your early career look like? Because it sounds like you were an entrepreneur kind of early on in life. I was, you know, I was tinting windows and doing car stereo installs while I was in college. Did the whole track that mom and dad told me to do, go to school, go to college, do the whole nine. I was in pharmacy school and um, was putting my way through sanding, doing drywall and sanding um, houses when I was a, a kid in college, uh, going to school, my hair full of white drywall. And, and, um, and I got introduced to direct sales and network marketing in the early 90s. About my third year into college, I decided to go full-time. So I vetted a full-time career in direct sales and network marketing for four and a half years. I sucked at it for two years, completely sucked at it for two years. And then I, I figured out how to make money of all things, renting desk space to people. I would lease an office. I rent desk space to people because we're working out of training centers. It was my early experience of what I call my, my first real estate experience because I couldn't figure out network marketing. And then third year in the network marketing, I killed it. I started doing well, making about 200 grand a year in my, in my 20s. And um, the FTC shut us down in 1997. And so I found myself kind of lost, uh, went back to school to finish my last year that I needed to, to graduate from college. And in that time, I started dabbling in construction. I went and got my contractor's license um, there's a, a deeper story into that, but there, but I got my contractor's license kind of on accident and um, I knew how to sell. I knew how to market um, because of my direct sales days. And uh, we did over seven figures our first year in 1998 in business. And that was the catapult to everything from there all the way to where we are today. Where did you get your work ethic from? Because yeah, there's a lot of people, I mean, it sounds like you worked hard like early on. I may mean, see a lot of younger people, especially they're like, yeah, I don't really want to work that hard. Like, where did that come from? It came from my family. My parents both grew up poor. They're hard workers. My mom hates when I tell this story because 
Yeah, but it's true. You know, when, when we were babies, my, my mom was working at Levi Strauss in the factories. Her dad passed away when she was five years old, comes from a family of, of 11 kids. My dad was the son of an alcoholic, right? And so he, he, uh, he had five kids and my dad was the second to the oldest and just he dropped out of school at 16 years old, went and worked at a grocery store, met my mom. She made him go back to school. Um, and through the means of working hard, they, they got educated and they did the uh, traditional get educated and, and go work hard. And um, my dad's an accountant. Uh, well, he's not anymore. He's in his seventies now, but he did 32 years as an accountant. And uh, my mom built nonprofit organizations, started from the bottom, worked her way to bookkeeper and built nonprofit organizations. And my parents are hard workers. They, they, they set a great example for us as far as working hard. And we grew up on a little ranch. And so waking up early and, and putting in time and then sports. I think every kid should be an, an athlete. I mean, sports is one of the biggest things that'll get you mentally vertical as far as hard work. Jerome, do you have kids? I do. I got two of them. How old are they? I got a 13-year-old and an 11-year-old. So obviously you are uh, a little bit better off than your parents. How are you making sure your kids grow up with a similar work ethic? Because it's hard to do, right? Because you can afford yes. a lot of things. You're like, I want this. I don't want to work for you. And then dad goes, yeah, sure. No problem. That's what we do as parents. We want to give our kids a, quote, better life. You know, what are you doing to, to, to ensure that there's still a kind of certain degree of work ethic there? I owned a bunch of Subway stores for a long time. And um, I got to a point where I used to tell my managers, look, you can hire young kids that are in school, but they have to have a couple things. One, they have to be doing well in school. And they have to be in something other than just school and work. They have to have, they have to be in sports. I don't care if they're in chess club. I don't care if they're in student senate. I didn't care what they were. They have to have an activity, school, and uh, and work. And those three things were a requirement for all of my managers and all thirteen of our stores in order to uh, for them to hire and bring in a student. And so I practice the exact same thing with my kids. My son started at three years old in gymnastics. Uh, my daughter, they literally took her out of our arms at about 18 months to gymnastics. Um, they've both been competitive gymnasts all the way through. They both do about 30 hours a week of gymnastics. My son, um, he's a straight A student, does well. We've been blessed with smart kids. Um, that wasn't me. My daughter does well. And uh, my daughter's also in swimming and she does dance full time. And my son also does football, private lessons for football. And he does basketball on the side as his quote unquote hobby. And so when you keep your kids that busy, like I told my wife, these, my, our kids, we don't have to worry about their work ethic. They're so damn busy that doesn't matter what they do in life. When they get out and compete with the rest of the world, they're already so acclimated to being busy. Life is going to be easy for them. Like when I, when I got started in my professional career, everybody told me that getting an apartment and living on your own was tough. Michael, it was one of the simplest things I ever did. I, I didn't know any different, right? Like I moved out and I was like, holy shit, I can live for like $400 a month on you know, I paid $165 for a little trailer park. I lived in a little mobile home and, you know, it wasn't hard to make a living. Um, you know, what's hard is getting wealthy, right? But making a living is simple. Jerome, I, I mean, I, I really agree with a lot of what you said. Now, I, I relate a little bit as well as I was in, I was doing somewhat direct sales, but it was, uh, I was selling Cutco knives door to door pretty much. And yeah, I learned uh, some skills during that side. I, you know, I learned the sales skills that I really attribute to a lot of my success today. And so I'm just curious, uh, in your experience, what kind of skills that either you've taught your kids or that you learned in your career that you think are the most valuable skills and attribute to your success today? 
Uh, consistency for sure is is probably one of the, the biggest um, skills. And it is a skill because most people, they get bored easy. I mean, I'm ADD, you know, if you guys hang out with me, I mean, I get my attention veers real easily. But one thing that I've been is I've been very consistent in my life. In fact, if I tell my life story, it almost seems like a false story that's impossible because I had so many avenues I was I was driving down at one time, right? And so um, one of the big things that I tell my kids, I say, look, you guys have to be consistent. In early years, my son was not the best gymnast. He was he struggled. He was he's a lot. He's he's four inches taller than me already, and he's thirteen. But he was lanky, tall. And he wasn't really made with a gymnast body. And I told him, Jacob, look, there's variables in life. And it's hard to start at the top and take first place. I said, that's much worse than starting at the bottom and working your way up. Because once you're there, to stay there forever is more complicated and it's harder psychologically than it is just to start at the bottom and build your way to the top. And then you appreciate it more. So I, I, I would teach him this. And lo and behold, I said, there's a lot of variables. I said, these kids, there's going to be broken bones. There's going to be psychological, emotional, family, all these variables that take people off track. And it's life, right? Like in business, we see it all the time. And it was what happened in direct sales and network marketing. It's what happened in my competitors in the construction business. It's what we see in multifamily and in real estate. People get off focus. There's something in life that just shifts them, whether it's an ailment, whether it's a family member that passes away, a divorce. God only knows, right? All those variables. It's those who can stay mentally stable and consistent over the course of time that win, even if you suck at it. And my, a mentor of my turn goes, Jerome, even if you're horrible at what, if what we're doing here in direct sales, if you can just get through and can stay consistent doing it, you'll succeed even if it's an accident. And that's one thing that I teach my kids and I talk to them about. And now that they're growing up and they're getting a little bit older, they're actually, they're, they can actually see it. And so it's really cool to see as they as they mature. You know, it's easier said than done, right? I mean, you did this, uh, you know, this 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 marketing thing for two years, and you sucked at it. That's a that's a really long time to stick with something. We try to get people to stick with something for like a year. Okay, we're like, dude, give it a real shot, and you know, it's going to take you a year to do your first deal, which is a stretch for a lot of people because you know, once the enthusiasm wears off, you know, you you take a seminar, you start hitting the phones, you're super excited, and then after about two months, you're like. Ugh, it's not going anywhere. No one's no one's biting, right? I'm calling brokers. They're not taking me seriously. I'm not getting in deals. And then after two or three months, people get really discouraged. And so the question is, do you have any kind of advice for people to stick with it, right? Because like you said, sometimes it takes a little while. And especially if you're not very good at it, and sometimes you, can't, you don't control everything, right? You got to get a little lucky sometimes. But what are some of the things that you did? I mean, you know, you got a bad day, you're getting up and you're like, this is day 169, you know, and you're like, another day. Why should I pick up the phone today? Why should I bother doing anything? I came from a traditional Catholic family. Um, we practice faith. No matter what, we go out and drink on a, on a Friday, on a Saturday night and party. And on Sunday morning, we were at church, um, all of us, friends, cousins, all of us. So I, there's a little bit of faith involved in that. Like you got to know that the direction you're going, um, you got to have some faith in what you're doing. That's huge. Um, so people that don't have that, I don't know what advice to really give them because that's what really pushed me through a lot of those times is that I believed, right? Like I, I knew I was doing good. I knew I was going in the right direction. I just didn't know quite how to get there. I just and so in the back of my mind, I just kept telling myself, it wasn't the, the vehicle, it was me, it was the driver. And I knew it was me that was the variable. And I honest to God knew that. 
And there were some low times where there's a lot of stories in, in this mix, right? There's a lot of stories. And there was times where I wanted to quit just like everybody else. There was, there's a, was a lot of days that I, I got up with a pit in my stomach, just like in the 2008 recession. It doesn't just end like in the beginning, right? And I think this is where being an athlete really helped me out a lot. Um, so a, little, a, a lot of faith, a lot of faith. My sports isn't my, being an athlete helped me out a ton because I wrestled. I was a wrestler from the time I was five years old, collegiate wrestler all the way through college. And I'll tell you, when, when you wrestle and you're in the third round, it doesn't matter how many uh, miles you've ran. It doesn't matter how much time you spend on that mat. Um, it's a grueling sport. Um, and so endurance wise, when you feel like you're going to die in your third round, especially like when you're in high school, college and the athletes and the competition gets um, more elevated. So that I think going through that type of pain in your life, um, everything seems to be easy. So I tell my kids that I say, you know what, embrace the pain, because then everything else in life is simple. And so the best advice I can give to people is, unfortunately, most people aren't bred with those type of, um, of instincts, they're not bred with those type of traits. Um, I think that parents do their kids a disservice by nurturing them too much. Uh, my kids aren't nurtured, you know, to each their own. Um, I press my kids every single day, like I press my employees, like I press my business partners, like I press everybody around me. If you if you hang out with me, if you do business with me for a while, um, I'll probably treat most of people that are even entrepreneurs like an employee because I press everybody like a coach would um, their team. And so the best thing I could tell people, if you've never been pressed, you got to be able to mentally tell yourself um, that you can press yourself, go out and run, press yourself in multiple ways you know, in, in ways that you've never pressed yourself before. If you've never been an athlete, you don't have to be an athlete to get off your ass and go run. You don't have to be an athlete to push yourself to go out and do something. And if, if sports aren't your thing, press yourself mentally, push yourself to limits. You've never been pushed before. Um, when you feel like you're going to get to a breaking point, like we all have when we've ridden a bike or we've ran and you feel like you're going to die at your second mile. How do you get through that? You just tell yourself, right? Like I can do this and you just push through it. And it's a that. And, and I would say pain is weakness, leaving the body. And, um, and I, I tell myself that even when I run, when I do things, when I get that pit in my stomach, which I still do, you know, there's projects that just don't go right. And you just get that pit in your stomach. Um, I tell people, just keep pushing through. There's a, there's a light at the end of that tunnel. I promise yeah. God won't let me go straight. Jerome. So you, uh, by your mid twenties, you're managing your own six figure business and you pivoted, I believe to construction. How did you get into construction? Tell us a little bit about that. So when I was in college before, I was doing multiple things like I, I still do today. Um, but I was sanding houses, doing drywall, scraping floors for my brother-in-law because I could do it in the middle of the night or on weekends and it didn't interfere with my schooling. And so the crew that I was working with, their boss went out of business for tax evasion, left a bunch of workers um, with no work. And these guys were doing big commercial projects, um, blockbuster videos, Walgreens, Walgreens stores, a lot of commercial projects. And so my brother-in-law, he told me they were, he was out of work and he was doing little nominal side jobs. And I told him, let's go get your contractor's license. I'll help you sell projects. You know, I, I was confident that I could help him. I could help my sister, my niece, my nephew. And so I kind of did on the side moonlighting while I was going back to school. And I, I took a course with him to go get my general contractor's license. Our old boss signed off on our affidavit to get our general contractor's license. He didn't show up the day for the exam and I did. And so I landed up with my general contractor's license in both residential and commercial as a residential and commercial general contractor. Um, so I got insured, I got bonded, did the whole nine yards. I was, um, I was moonlighting at night, uh, doing cocktailing and, and uh, 
waiting tables a little bit. Um, when I first came back, I still had my business that was going on in Texas. I was flying out on, on Friday nights. I'd go run my marketing company with a couple of buddies that we had doing door-to-door sales. Then I fly back on either Monday mornings early or Sunday afternoons. And I go back at it during the week. And I got, I ended up my contractor's license and I, w- I had a mentality. I was kind of angry at the time because I felt like all my hard work was gone because of the, of the FTC shutting us down in network marketing. So I kind of had a little bit of a chip on my shoulder or probably a big chip on my shoulder if you ask anybody else around me. And, um, and so I kind of had this aggressive nature about me where I was like, I felt like I had nothing to lose and everything to gain in the world, you know? And I was like, I felt like I hit rock bottom again. So I put everything into what I was doing. And so really, I just, I just went and started bidding everything. And I just bid it as high as I thought was a high bid. And I started getting stuff. And I landed up getting the Compass Bank remodels when they came into New Mexico. And when I did that, I was way in over my head. I had about, it was $1.7 million contract. They were all tenant improvements. They were all TIs. And we were doing the drywall metal stud framing and painting on these uh, Compass Banks that when they were coming in New Mexico. And so I subbed it out to my brother-in-law and the old employees that I was laboring for. And I walked away with about $400,000 in, in, about a, in about nine months to a year in my pocket and profit. And I was also doing residential stuff on the side. And we, were, we started pouring concrete. And that's what our, con- our company grew from. I got out of the drywall metal stuff frame and I figured the profitability of concrete was substantially higher. And so by 19, late 1998, I started pouring slabs, driveways, foundations. I started doing decorative concrete, um, the faux stuff that you see in like uh, the rainforest cafes. And I started bidding that stuff all over the country. I did a, a place called Margaritas over in uh, Utah, just outside of Salt Lake. And um, they used to dive from indoors. Um, again, way over my head. I just, I just, I learned from my mentors when I was younger that if you find people that have skills you don't, you employ their efforts, um, you can profit from them. So I just found employees and knew how to do some of this stuff. I took courses. I was flying to San Diego. I was flying to Las Vegas. I was taking courses on how to do concrete, decorative concrete work. And I became a master of it in my in in the late '90s. And I made a load of money in decorative concrete, and um, that wow. to building and construction and development and so forth. Jerome, then you something appealed to you about land, about buying land. So, how did you go from having all that success in construction to pivoting into buying land, which seems kind of boring? You know, I was out at a job site pouring a, uh, pouring a slab for a customer. And I went and checked on my guys. And um, this was a big project. Um, these people were doing a lot of concrete work. We were, we were, my guys were, uh, my residential crew, one of them was parked there for about two weeks. And in like 2000, there was this guy, he should roll up, cool looking dude, man. He, and then I knew, I never talked to him, but when I talked to him, he had this heavy Australian accent, was wearing all the skull rings and tattoos on his arms. Was, I thought he was old at the time. He was probably younger than I am now. But at the time I thought he was old because I was still in my twenties. Um, but this guy would just roll up on his Harley Davidson motorcycle, boots on, but he looked sharp, man. Smelled like cologne in the middle of the day, button down shirt. And I was like, look at this bad dude, man. I was like, this dude just rolls up on his bike, man. And he's, he's building a house. And I, I got to talking to him one day after seeing him a couple of days there. And I said, so you're the builder on these houses. And he goes, yeah. And I said, he goes, yeah, yeah, I build them. And he go, how much do you think you make on these things? And I was real bold. I just asked people. My mentor told me, was, you want to find out something about somebody, you ask them. My dad taught me the opposite. He said, never talk about money. And so one of my mentors told me, you just ask, you know, ask them. You, you'll be surprised what you get from people. So I told him, said, bro, what are you going to make on that house? And he goes, oh, mate, I should probably make between eighty to 100000 Or damn, I, I sure as hell hope I do. And so um, 
And I just kept thinking, holy shit. I said, well, how long does it take you to build that thing? He goes, oh, I'll build that thing in three to four months. And so I just started thinking, damn, I could build one or two of these on the side. This guy doesn't even show up. And I could make money moonlighting in this. And so I literally bought a piece of land, four houses down from where he was building that one. And so I bought a lot for like $35,000. And um, I went and sat down with my dad, who was real analytical. And we put an Excel spreadsheet together. And um, we just went through everything, um, all the steps it would take for me to build a house. And, um, and I just went and did it, you know. I, I went and I built my first house. I made $83,000 in the first house. I built it in 120 days and I sold it within 30 days. And I did a second one that same year, made an extra. That second house I did, I made a little over 90,000, got cleaner on my, my what I was doing. Yeah, I made on the side of what I was already doing, made, made another 180,000 almost on the side of what I was already doing that first year that I built a piece of, I built my, my first couple houses. So if you're looking for investments outside the stock market, but you're not exactly sure about investing in syndications, then check out our special report. It's called, What's the Best Investment, Stock Market or Real Estate? You can get it at themichaelblank.com forward slash report. And it kind of analyzes the two investment classes, stock market versus real estate side by side. And hopefully that will help you make a more intelligent decision. So check it out, themichaelblank.com forward slash report. As of this recording, we have 490 reviews on iTunes. So I appreciate everyone who has given this a review. But I want to get to 600, get twice as many reviews that we have as episodes. We have about 300 episodes, and I'd love to get to 600. And I need your help. Okay, so we're launching a bit of a challenge here for you. Here's how it works. First, make sure you subscribe to the podcast, okay? Use your app, subscribe so you don't miss these episodes that come out every single week. And then leave us an honest review on iTunes. Now, unfortunately, you have to use it through an, an Apple device or you gotta download the iTunes app on, on the PC. Really irritating. But if you wouldn't mind, I'd surely appreciate it. Then you text the word contest to 66866 and then we'll just send you a link to enter the drawing, okay? So when you get the link, click on the link and then follow the instructions in there. You're going to enter your email and enter the drawing. And when you do that, we're going to have 10 general winners. You're going to get our best-selling book on Amazon Financial Freedom with uh, real estate. And we just crossed a thousand reviews, Mark, so it's awesome. And you get one of these custom Black Freedom t-shirts that you can't get anywhere except for this challenge and our live events. And so we're going to give away 10 of those bundles. Then we're going to have three runner-up winners. You're going to get the shirt and the Freedom Book. You're also going to get a ticket to our upcoming event, Dealmaker Bootcamp, January 27 to 29 in Orlando. It's super cool. It's a unique experience where you're actually going to do your first deal in one and a half days. That's right. We're simulating your first deal. So if you have not done your first deal, you have to come to Orlando. It's $2,500. Uh, you can find more about that on Dealmaker Bootcamp event.com or just go to website themichaelblank.com. But if you enter this drawing, you have three chances at winning tickets to that event. And then we're going to have two grand prize winners. So you're going to get the shirt, the book, the ticket, and you're going to get access to our dealmaker certification, which is our online course with a 12-month experience. So that gets you a lot closer to doing your first deal. It is our, it is the online course that we have with our dealmaker mastermind community for a year to get you connected and into your first deal. It's a $3,000 value. So you're going to get about $5,500 worth of value in that grand prize. So again, text the word contest to 66866. And get leave us an honest review on iTunes. We look forward to seeing it there. 
the pattern I'm I'm seeing is that you are you're definitely opportunistic. You're looking you're looking for stuff, and you have no problem taking action. Now there's there's two kinds of people, and possibly three, but two. One, they're always analyzing, they're always educating themselves, and never do anything, right? And then there's a the people who just do something like without any kind of planning whatsoever, right? I, and I'm like, I don't really love either extreme. You seem to be a little bit in the middle, like because I hear you talk about mentors and going to courses and getting really good at decorative concrete. When you get into a new business like that, is that what you do? Do you start educating yourself or did you this, this land stuff? Did you just kind of jump in there and do it? Like, what is your blueprint for getting into a new business or learning any new thing? I mean, I'm, I'm an avid pusher for education, right? My parents pushed education. Uh, my grandfather, before he died, was a principal. My mom didn't come from a family of, that wasn't educated. Um, they just have had circumstances that made them otherwise poor because her, her dad passed away, right? But I came from a very educated family where my mom and dad pushed education. My mom primarily pushed education on us. So I'll tell you that college in that regards was one of the healthiest things for me. I'm dyslexic by nature. You know, I, I grew up dyslexic. I struggled in school. Um, so school, I always had to work hard at it because I thought it was my only means. My mom and dad pushed me, sent me to tutors, and they 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 sent us to private school. So I'll tell you, that's a great question, Michael, because I'm not analytical by nature. I'm a doer, and I am. I'm real rambunctious. I just go and do. But then I also am methodical because just like I told you with my dad and I, I did just go in and buy a lot and then like didn't think about the numbers, right? I wanted to see the numbers. Like I'm a math guy. I've, I've always been good at math because I'm a shitty reader. Can't spell worth the shit. Still to this day, can't spell worth the shit. Still read slow as hell. So I'm an audiobook guy. I read, but I, I read legal documents. I'm a very good legal document reader because of what I've done in my life. But I'll tell you, my dad and I sat down, I broke it down. I was real thoughtful in the way I was going to do things. When I got into decorative concrete, I did get educated. When I was in direct sales and network marketing, the first thing that my mentor told me is he goes, I go, okay, what do I do? I want to get started. Cause I was, I was hook, line and sinker. I saw the opportunity when I was 22 years old, right? 21 years old. And he goes, you need to get trained. And I said, okay, well, where did I get trained? And I was in Albuquerque at the time. I was a student at university of New Mexico for the Lobos. Um, for where Lacker went. And so he goes, it's, there's one in Houston, one in Denver. I, I went to, I flew to Houston. I drove to Houston in the middle of the summer, no heater in my, with a heater on in my car because my water pump was out and drove all the way to Houston, sweating my ass off at a hundred degree temperature, hundred percent humidity um, with my heater blasting. So my car went overheat in the middle of the summer. And that's where I got started, you know, and I was at training as much as I could. He told me that the more information that went in here, the more information was going to come out of my mouth and the more money was going to go in my pockets. And I always remembered that. And so I am a doer. I, I get excited about stuff, but I, I am methodical in how I'm doing. If I can't see and visualize the numbers, I will not move forward on absolutely anything. So you started buying land. Now, today you do pretty big development projects. It's kind of like, like your thing, all kinds of development projects. Now, you know, I kind of consider land development or development in general kind of a, a kind of advanced strategy. And typically when people say that, it's typically because they don't know something about this thing, right? Because other people looking in on would say, oh, well, investing in apartment buildings is super advanced. And they're like, actually, it's not, right? So you kind of have done development a little bit. What is your assessment on getting into land development? How can get someone into land development? What's the best way to do it now with the benefit of hindsight, right? Because you started with a single lot. Okay, I started with a single house, okay, to get into apartment buildings, but now we know, well, gosh, if I had to do it over again, there'd be a few, you know, shortcuts maybe to get into development. And so the question is, someone's sitting here going, Jerome, this is great stuff. How do I get myself into some land development? Like, what's your advice there? 
I love land development. Um, I did pull away from it after the recession. I got beat up. I got bloodied up. I did it the wrong way. So I now teach people not to do what I did pre-2008. I was hoarding land because I thought I was going to buy the last lot on earth. You know, I mean, I think we all do that. We feel like we're missing out on that golden opportunity, that golden deal. Um, so anytime anybody tells me to sign NSA and get into a deal, I need a, I need this thing underwritten. I need an offer by tomorrow. That's why I just throw my hands up and go, have fun. I'm done. I'm not even, I'm not looking at it. I have no interest. <laughs> I'm done. The whole project's gone. I don't care how much golden opportunity there is. I, I feel like lucky the leprechaun, Michael. I've had more once in a lifetime opportunities than I can shake a stick at, right? According to everybody else. So land development is one of those things that you got to exercise it with time and wisdom, okay? And with caution. Um, so the way I develop now is it's extremely different than I did in 2008 and before that. I took my foot off of development from 2008 to 2012. I was still building single family homes a little bit during that time. We pushed us straight through the recession. We, we kept selling homes with our business model. But in 2012, I started picking up the momentum again and getting back into it a little bit different. I started pivoting towards multi-unit real estate, storage units, uh, apartment complexes. And the way we do it now is that we acquire, we control the land, but we don't buy the land. We control it by we put an offer in, we, we either uh, go in and put an option to buy it with contingencies on there or a purchase agreement with contingencies and due diligence period. Um, so that we can go in and do our entitlements. Entitlements, for those of you guys who are new to land development, are everything under the sun between utilities, electric, gas, water, sewer, engineering, architect work, all the engineering from structural, civil, electrical, mechanical, the whole nine yards. Those are your entitlements. So while we're working, I call it free time. It's the time that I have that's free time because I'm not paying a mortgage on the land. I'm not, I don't have cash out of pocket during my due diligence period, which is typically lengthy on developments. I'm working through the logistical stuff that I'm going to have to do anyways to get building permits. So that by the time I actually acquire the land, I control it already, but by the time I actually acquire the land, I've worked through 90% of my entitlements. And then when I say go, I just snap my fingers and boom, we're, we're getting permits. And then within a, a couple, few months, we're, we're turning dirt. And so it, it really compresses my liability and uh, reduces my risk. And my thoughts have been, I'd rather lose a couple hundred thousand dollars in entitlements. Now, that sounds like a lot of money to a lot of people that are, that are doing this, but it's better than losing millions or going bankrupt, right? So um, I'd rather lose a, a few hundred thousand dollars in entitlements and just dust my hands off, walk away and say, have your land, I'm done, and move on to my next project then lose my ass or go bankrupt because I took the whole project down, a bunch of entitlements, land, loans, everything else. And then you go bankrupt because of one deal. So the way we do it now is, um, is slightly different. So Jerome, this is uh, man, this really good information. Just curious. So there's a lot of listeners here that either own property, mostly, mostly existing property owners. And they're, they're maybe like, you know, definitely myself, are like, hey, that makes a lot of sense. We can go to a market where there's great land, maybe find some land, and then you can develop it at a six cap and sell it at a three cap. That makes quite a bit of sense. But partnering with somebody on it may not make a ton of sense uh, for whatever you have to split it up too much or whatever. How would you recommend or how do you, someone that doesn't know anything about the stuff that you're talking about, uh, short of reading books, how would they understand that kind of skill set in order to maybe develop their own deal someday? 
Yeah. So, so we teach it, you know, it's something that we've started doing on the side more so to create relationships for investors. I'll tell you, we never used a penny of anybody else's money until 2018. I started looking into it in 2016. It took me two years to figure out the syndication world. Um, so again, to Michael's question, I don't, I, I, I get excited about things, but I take time to educate myself and it was a two year process. Um, I listened to everybody from Grant Cardone and, and I even invested in his deals, um, to piggyback, get legal paperwork, find out who his attorneys were, poach his attorneys, go talk to them, hire that his attorneys and other people's, and then get in and do meetups and a lot of this other stuff, but it takes a while, right? Like you just, it isn't something like. I think the biggest problem with people today is they think that they're going to get a PhD in a 30 minute course or a one hour course or a YouTube video or a couple of YouTube videos. I wasn't that blessed. I wasn't that fortunate. Now I can shave off time off people's <laughs> learning curve, but there's a, a time of due diligence that you're going to have to pay. I mean, this isn't get rich quick. This is like, like you can get rich for real, the real way, but there's, there's a there's a time of acclimation, learning, right? Like you don't go to college and become a, like a brain surgeon overnight, you know, like, I mean, that's a 13, 15 year process, right? I mean, but yet people think I jump, they jump in real estate and they need to be a professional investor developer in, in one year, or six months or one month, or they want to get involved in a $5,000 course and think that they, um, that they're this master developer. Um, that's not the case, man. I mean, I, I spent two years from 2016 to 2018, and I'm telling you, when I spent two years, I mean, I joined masterminds. I I bought my way to the top. I'm partners with Ty Lopez, not because he wanted to be my partner, because I bought my way all the way to, to working with him, and I showed value to him. And so I was out there. I was traveling. I was I was trying to get around the right people. I was trying to invest with the right people. I was going to meetups. I was um, trying to listen to the right material. I read a lot. Um, I inundated myself Saturday mornings when my wife and kids were asleep. I'd get up in the morning and um, I'd just listen to material as I did stuff every weekend, every evening. And I just, I inundate, and that's just me. I just inundate myself when I put my mind around doing something. And then two years later, I still didn't feel comfortable. So in 2018, I partnered with somebody and there's a bear of entry for everybody, right? I, I still didn't feel confident that I knew exactly what I was doing enough. There was too many variables. So I found good people that I watched and met over the course of that time. And I partnered with them and I probably gave up way too much equity doing it, but I figured, shit, I didn't know what I'm doing. And it's a bit, my bear of entry. You got to know that you're going to give a little bit of the nut uh, in the beginning and be okay with it. And, um, and you learn, right? So I gave up 50% of the equity. I did a shitload more work than they did, but I'll tell you, it got me in the deal, right? I, I started to figure out, I started learning from being a part of those deals and then I, they learned from me. And then now, you know, a few years later, here we sit. And like this year was our biggest year. We, we put over $70 million worth of deals on the books just for 2021. We already have $58 million for next year. And we'll hit over $100 million on the books next year. I've never done that. You know, I had a net worth of probably about $25 million when I started all this. And now my net worth has grown substantially in the last three years. But it's just a decision I made. But it wasn't didn't happen overnight. It was... 20 years of, of getting there, right? And then the next, the last five years of really putting my head down and focusing on growing. Yeah, Jerome, you're an overnight success that uh, took 20 years to get there. This has been awesome. How can people uh, connect with you, find out more about you? I'm real easy to find. If you, I know my name will be in the, the podcast, in the chat. Um, if you just Google me, my website is JeromeMaldonado.com. You can hit me up on every social media platform at Jerome Maldonado. Instagram is Jerome Maldonado and the number one. Um, but yes, real easy to find, Michael, and you guys are welcome to Google and try to find, bring up as much dirt on me as you can. If you find some, bring it to me because I want to see it. 
<laughs> nice. I love it. Well, thanks for bringing the value, man. I really enjoyed jamming with you. So thanks for being on the show. Yeah, appreciate both you and Garrett, Michael. Thank you both. And really appreciate you, you guys having me and, and appreciate you guys putting me out of your audience. So I really like this theme of consistency. As we have a lot of successful people on the show, it's the one theme that that just simply comes up over and over again. I, I remember even asking Grant Cardone on, on the podcast uh, a little while ago what his key to success is, and it was super boring. It was consistency. It's doing the same thing over and over again each and every day until you're successful, right? And that's really, if you look at everyone that does their first deal and quits their job, that's kind of what they do, right? And it's not like taking massive action. It's taking little action every single day. How can you do that? How can you stay consistent even though you're having a bad day? And I think Jerome really boils it down is you need to develop a belief in something, in your purpose, in your mission, in a higher power, in yourself, and maybe all, all of those that you know that you're on the right track, but the only reason you're not successful yet is because you haven't developed the skills, you haven't met the right person, you haven't talked to the right broker. So for me, consistency was uh, a main message in this interview. One of the things in, in real estate for me, so I had gone through a few different transitional career paths, you might call it, between college and, and you know, when I got into real estate and I never really made enough money, you know, my existence in those industries, in my opinion, now a success. And it's because I didn't go deep enough into it and it wasn't consistent enough over a certain amount of years. I kept, I kept changing industries or whatever it was. And so real estate, I, I now I'm 10 years in and, uh, you know, it's been my most successful industry since then, because I just stay consistent throughout the entire thing, got up from big, you know, letdowns, kept moving forward, kept building and honing the skills that I, that I needed. And, you know, that's what led me to the place that I, that I am now, where I, I, you know, consider myself to be more, uh, you know, successful in this industry than any other. And. I think that's just a, a common theme with anyone. It's it's the one I really went deep in. And, you know, so I, I really liked what Jerome had to say about how he didn't just, you know, he got involved, but he really did his due diligence around development, which was, it's a skill that he had to pick up, but he didn't just, uh, he wasn't like stupid about it. He went in, he got involved, he got in a partnership with someone else he really cut his teeth, you know, learning the ropes, but it didn't just happen overnight. Well, that's right. So he he literally, he, he educated himself a little bit, but he hustled and he surrounded himself with other people. And he at first partnered with other people. That's really smart. I mean, that's really smart because if someone wants to get into this game and you're, you know, you want to buy a $5 million, $10 million deal, you may not want, you may not be able to do it on your, on your own. Why should you? Why not partner with someone? And we didn't get into the details, but I'm pretty sure because of his hustle, he probably found the land, negotiated the land, and brought it to someone on a silver platter who was a senior developer and basically gave up half the equity for basically doing all the work. And that got him into, into the game. And that's really, really smart. Now, speaking of which, education is key. And that's what we want to do is we want to educate you guys on, on how to get into the do your first apartment building deal. And how to best do that so you can become financially free. And man, I hope we have something for everyone out there. We have obviously this podcast here. We have our best-selling book on Amazon by the same title, Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing. Check that out if you have not done that already. We also have a new area uh, on, on our website where we put all of our free resources in. It's We call it the Freedom Vault. 
So we actually have um, we actually all of all, all of our free ebooks in there. Some of our tools are in there. Everything for active and passive investing, and it's at the uh, themichaelblank.com forward slash vault. So if you haven't checked that out yet, check that out right away. If you're ready for something a little more and you value mentorship and you want to work with a full-time syndicator and check out our mentoring program, really excited about the successes that our students are having, check that out at themichaelblank.com forward slash mentor. Schedule a call with us and see if mentoring is right for you. We'd love to have a conversation with you. So with that, thanks so much for your time listening. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. Take the next step toward financial freedom by checking out our Freedom Vault, where you can find free resources to help you with apartment building investing. Whether you're an active investor just starting out or looking to scale your syndication business or looking to invest passively, head over to themichaelblanc.com vault to gain access to our Freedom Vault.